For my ally is the Force, and a powerful ally it is. Life creates it, makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the Force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. Jedi, like my father before me. You don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Welcome to episode 256 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And we got shit to talk about this week. Some Star Wars Celebration news. The latest episode of Disney Gallery The Mandalorian. A new cock duty Star Wars video game. And, uh... That has me excited. Yeah, some other stuff. Had a bit of a pothole right there. But anyways. Excited Supreme. Before we get into all that, let me give you guys a wee spot of business. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blueharvestpodcast. You can email us your questions and voice messages and whatnot at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at blueharvestpod. We have a YouTube channel. Just look for Blue Harvest, a Star Wars podcast. Uh, definitely not something about how to collect toys. That's a whole nother thing. Um, and uh, we have a Patreon where we post a bunch of bonus uh, podcast content if you want to support us. Uh, we just today posted a new episode of Star Wars Year by Podcast with our buddy Steel. We recorded a couple of those the other day. So we oh got the boy. first part of 1981 out, and the second one will be coming fairly shortly, I imagine. Uh, so that's there. We've got all kinds of other bonus shows. Cooking with Will, Oh No, It's Hall Solo, Jaws, Blue Harvest Adventures, Masters of Harvest, Kasi, uh, Podula Rasa, so many bonus shows, and you can check those out at patreon.com slash blueharvestpodcast. And a big thank you to all of our patrons uh, out there. You guys are awesome, and you help us upgrade equipment and things like that. <coughs> so guys, like I said, not one of those weeks where we don't have a whole lot to discuss. Heyo. Um, oh. I wonder if the mic picked that up. 
We've got. Oh, we definitely did. <laughs> we've got uh, so much. I don't even know where to start. So I guess we'll start with the celebration stuff. Um, can you? I, can I get one second? Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know. I don't know if it was last week or the episode before that that I was talking about. I was getting a little anxious about news pertaining to Star Wars Celebration and whether it would still be going on this year, right? Right. Um, you know, I was ooh, feeling pretty confident that it wouldn't be happening, but you just never know, man. Like, I'm seeing bad decisions made about this whole COVID-19 thing every day. So, right. you know, it had me a little worried because had it had they chosen to continue on with the event this year, I just did not see a situation where I find myself going, you know? Right. I'm not going to lie. Real scared of getting the fucking coronavirus. Not I mean, going to lie about that. Yeah, I mean, of course. <clears throat> so, anyways, uh, we got word this week that Star Wars Celebration has indeed been postponed, uh, which was nice to hear. What kind of took me by surprise and was a bit of a bummer was that it's not postponed to next year. It's postponed to August 2022. So, oh my uh, goodness. delayed two years. They're um, just skipping 2021 altogether. Yeah, which, you know, uh, the fact that they were having a celebration this year after having one last year sort of bucked the more recent trend where, you know, they had one in 2015 in Anaheim, then 2016 was in Europe, 2017 was in Orlando, there wasn't one in 2018, 2019 was in Chicago. So for them to have one, you know, essentially a year and a half or so later was, you know, pretty quick. Uh, compared to how it's sort of been going. Uh, right. <clears throat> but, yeah, the the extra two years was a surprise and a bit of a bummer because I was looking forward to seeing everybody. You know, that's my favorite part of Celebration. Um, yeah. But in some regards, I can definitely see why that makes sense. Uh, you got to think, 2022, that's got to put you in the safety zone for this whole thing, right? I was thinking that's basically enough time for the entire population to be vaccinated, you you know, betting-wise. Right. Or a majority of them. Right. And secondly, what is still on the schedule for December of 2022? A new Star Wars movie. So having a celebration in August of 2022 definitely makes me feel like that's still the plan, you know? Even though or, we haven't or, heard... What were you or say? bang for your buck. Yeah. And this was going to be an interesting celebration because there wasn't a movie attached. You know, 2015, of course, we had The Force Awakens. 2016, Rogue One. 2017, The Last Jedi. 2019, Rise of Skywalker. <clears throat> Granted, they would have been able to talk about The Mandalorian, Cassian, you know, Star Wars Squadrons even, I'm sure, which we'll be talking about shortly. So it's not like they wouldn't have had things to talk about, but it was... Kind of weird that there wasn't a movie uh, to promote alongside this celebration. Yeah. Uh, now, another bummer is, uh, I guess they could still have it, but to me, this sort of 
rules out the big 40th anniversary Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back panel. Um, and that's a bit of a bummer for me because that would have definitely been a panel that I would have tried to get into. Absolutely. Uh, a, because that's my favorite movie of all time. And B, the Star Wars 40th anniversary panel for A New Hope at Star Wars Celebration in 2017 was phenomenal. It is one of my biggest regrets that Jesse and I didn't wait in line overnight to get into that one. It was crazy. You know, they had a wonderful tribute to Carrie Fisher, um, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Anthony Daniels. Like, you know, so many of the cast were there. John Williams was there. George Lucas was there. Just a really cool panel that I was bummed I missed out on. So I definitely would have been trying for the Empire one. Uh, I'm sure they could try or, you know, I guess there's nothing saying they can't do a 40th anniversary panel in two years. It just seems a little weird, right? I don't know. They may do it digitally. There's a lot of that going <laughs> around. Me now, that is something I've seen going around, like wondering if there would be like a a Star Wars celebration digital event this year to make up for it not happening. And they haven't announced anything yet. Um which is a bummer because that would have been really nice to have like, since we can't have a physical celebration, still have some cool digital events um, that we could tune into. Uh, but that does not seem to be the case for at least now. If if it is, I'm sure they will announce it before too long because I think DC is having their own like um, digital event sometime in August. Oh, really? Yeah, it's got a real dumb name, but it's called Fandome. Fandome? Yeah, like you're in the Welcome to the Thunderdome, but it's the DC Fandome. Okay. It's ooh, it's so dark, it's so gritty. And under this dome. Fuck Batman. They say in the Fandome. You know? They don't like Batman in the DC Fandom. Oh no, they definitely that's something from a there's a trailer for that Titans show, <clears throat> that live action Titans show where uh, Robin oh, yeah. says, fuck Batman, fuck Batman. Um, no one says fuck Batman. But there we go. No Star Wars celebration this year. Relieved, a little bummed, but really looking forward to 2022, being able to go and feel like comfortable and safe and not like I'm you know risking my life to go buy Star Wars toys and hang out with my Star Wars friends right <clears throat> um and I gotta I gotta give them props from what I've seen and personally experienced so far you know people's mileage may vary depending on how they approach this but it's a it, they've made the process fairly simple so if you've already got tickets to Celebration and you don't want a refund, because they're giving you two options. You can either refund your tickets or you can transfer them to the 2022 event, right? So if you don't want a right. refund, you don't have to do anything. They just automatically transfer. Easy, easy, easy. That's all we had to do. And, you know, Jesse and I already had our hotel booked and our flight booked. Well, since our hotel was part of, like, the the block of rooms they set aside for the convention automatically canceled and we'll have, you know, first access to 
those rooms once they reopen sometime next year. So once again, okay. super easy. Uh, now we just got to worry with the flights. Now we just got to do that whole thing. Yikes. Yeah, not looking forward to that, but <clears throat> it is what it is. Hopefully they are understanding because of all the shit that's going on right now. So what do you want to talk about next, buddy? We got uh, we got Disney Gallery. We got Squadrons. We got the tiniest little bit of Obi-Wan news related to the Obi-Wan series. Hit me with the tiny Obi-Wan news and then we'll go into Squadron. So this shouldn't seem all that surprising to you or to, you know, our listeners. Um, but in an interview this week, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi actor, I almost just called him Obi. You see how I did that? Mm-hmm. Do you see how I did that fucking skirt? I almost just referred to him as Obi-Wan Kenobi, but I threw in the actor there and I made myself sound official as shit. And then I ruined it by bringing up that that's what I did. Um, by explaining it. Yeah. yeah. Ewan McGregor says that the Obi-Wan series is going to be using uh, similar technology to the Mandalorian. No surprise there, right? No. Uh, that's awesome. Makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> that they would be going the volume route for this show. But, you know, just more... At this point, I'm I'm just taking any little bit of news I can hear about this series uh, as a positive. Because it's one I'm really looking forward to. And I don't want it to run afoul of any Star Wars behind-the-scenes shenanigans. Right? Me too. Obi-Wan's one of my favorites. I've been saying shenanigans a lot lately. I don't know why. I'm on a real shenanigans kick. Goes real well with malarkey. Yeah, man. A lot. You got a bunch of this fucking COVID malarkey and people's shenanigans. Like, it's just shenanigans, shenanigans, shenanigans. What's that restaurant you like to go to with all the dumb shit on the walls? I'm going to pistol whip the next person that says shenanigans. Oh, shenanigans. So... You know. Uh, all right, what's next, Will? Disney Gallery or Star Wars Squadrons? You know what? Let's just do the gallery because okay. uh, we'll save Squadrons for last. Best for yeah. last. Uh, so this week's episode uh, was all about the music and Ludwig uh, Gorenson. Am I getting his name like Ludwig? Is that that, guy, that guy's name? The young guy? Yeah. Um, and he just, is incredibly talented. Yes. Like, on a weird kind of virtuoso kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and it's cool that he knows, you know, Donald Glover and some of the other... What's, I forget the other guy's name. Ryan Coogler's roommate in... Yes, um, Ryan Coogler. There you go. In, uh, in college at UCS. And that makes a ton of, well, I mean, I guess it doesn't make a ton of sense, but it definitely connects some things for me because um, he did, you know, Creed 1 and 2. He did the scores for those. Uh, I believe he also did Black Panther. Black Panther, yeah. Yeah, which Ryan Coogler was also the director of. Um, And now you know, sort of the subject of what we're going to be discussing. He's the composer for the score on The Mandalorian. I'll tell you what, as someone who had a music class 
in grade school where we learned how to play the recorder. Yeah. Man, I want to buy one of those giant ass recorders that he was using. <laughs> the recorder saxophone, yeah. baritone recorder. Uh, bass recorder, whatever it was. All I can tell yeah. you is if I were to order one of those, I would be on an episode of one of those true crime shows because Jesse would kill me with that recorder. Because the only thing you would play would be the Mandalorian. Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> Wake up every morning, roll over, and grab my giant recorder. And she'd be like, can we not do this today? Not today. <laughs> woo, 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 woo. Or she's going to make it look like a B and e and she's just going to snap them in half and be like, I don't know. Somebody had it out for your I don't clarinet. know. They just they broke into the house. They, And all they did was break your recorder. Oh, my. Are you serious? They didn't steal anything else? No. Not a damn thing. <laughs> All these game consoles and Star Wars collectibles? I think it was a neighbor. I think you probably annoyed a neighbor with your oo-woo-wooing. <laughs> Can you woo-woo-woo? A woo-woo! I'll be like, well, it's not a big deal. I'll just order another one That's off Amazon. That's when you pull out the little recorder like you started with, and you're like... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um the one that you keep on you at all times okay what's cool about it being a recorder just for is is that it's a very basic wind instrument uh-huh so it has this very tribal kind of ancient feel to it do you know what i mean like yeah dude so i'm looking at what i believe to be the exact same recorder he uses Bro, not worth it. It's $271 on Amazon. My goodness. Yes, Amazon. That is a lot of money for a bit. Yeah, it is. But man, it would be funny. Um, the, the general approach, like it was cool to see his process, which I really liked. I like seeing, you know, the way someone very musically talented like that works where, you know, they come up with this one element and then they layer this on and then they layer this on and, you know, so on and so forth until you get the final product. Um, but because, to me, the score of that show was so sort of striking and new, right? I guess a lot of what they talked about in this episode was stuff that I, could, I, I had already kind of figured out or inferred for myself like yeah they were trying to go for a different feel they didn't want it to just be the john williams hits you know sort of remixed they wanted to give right. it its own vibe and you know they were talking about how like the western movies and the kurosawa movies were big influences in the music and you know that's definitely something i picked up on um but it was really cool and it was really cool how he you know <clears throat> He, you know, was talking about how basically it was like three or four movies worth of score he had to write. And for the sections that they got the full orchestra in, like, I guess the dude just went in there and banged that shit out real quick. Because, you know, you don't have the same amount of time or the budget for recording as you would on a movie. Um, but yeah, 
that fucking Mandalorian theme song is like double that dude's pay for season two and three. Cause that's all I need to hear right there. I love that shit. Um, He's really talented. I also like that John Favreau was talking about how he started getting music back, but while he was still sort of working on season one and then into season two. So then the score started informing his writing and stuff. I thought that was real mm-hmm. neat. And I thought that was a nice sort of like, uh, you know, marriage of influences and like one thing sort of playing off the other. Absolutely. And his work to even go back and listen to John Williams' other stuff. <coughs> that's really impressive and respectful. Yeah. You know who he reminds me of? Just not 100%. Like, I didn't watch this and go, damn, this is that person. But you know who he reminded me of a little bit? And I don't think it has nothing to do with his musical ability or it's just his general vibe. Uh, your brother. Oh, really? Something about him reminded me of your brother a little bit. And maybe it's just the way that they talk about their sort of creative output. Because your brother does stuff with like live theater, right? Right. In the same way your brother talks about... Because I spend a good bit of time talking to your brother at the the wedding, just catching up with him and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. the way your brother talks about how he, how he operates at his job and like, you know, your brother's just boom, 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 throwing out terms that I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. You know, he's very knowledgeable about his job. I got that right. same sort of vibe from this guy from Ludwig Ludwig. Um, so yeah, he, he, uh, reminded me of old John Luke a little bit, I think. Very passionate and well-informed mm-hmm. about what he's talking Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Man, the dude has a uh, very distinct style, too. Yeah, he does. Like, loving some flower print. Um, I feel like it's a DJ-specific kind of thing. Like, I, Oh, really? Not, D, not, not likening him to a DJ. That's an insult. But, like, I'm not saying an insult. Whatever. But, like, I feel like it's a very skatery... DJ kind of way to dress. Yeah. Like seeing how he dressed, I was like, mm, that ain't clothing for a fat guy. Can't be pulling that off no. myself. I'd be looking there'd like be a, a lot of print. Yeah. 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 They'd really be, there'd be some extra flowers in that print if I was having a to wear that outfit. Flowers on that wall. <laughs> Better plant some extra seeds. <laughs> um, but yeah, really enjoyable episode. Not my favorite necessarily, just because I don't know, like the process and, you know, some of the interest instruments and, you know, how he built the individual pieces was cool. But a lot of the information, like I said, was stuff that I kind of already guessed. You right. know, it wasn't like the volume episode or the practical effects episode or anything like that that super neat to peek behind the curtain but it, it's not like it was groundbreaking yeah and the, you know well i mean doing something different in the star wars world is groundbreaking sure. yeah because look i love so much John... of it is shrouded in i don't know reverence yeah which is totally fine i think 
all reverence towards John Williams is 100% due, you know? The dude right. is a genius. There is a reason people who have never seen a Star Wars movie know the Star Wars theme or the Imperial March, right? Like, you're talking about iconic shit that he's done. But at the same time, if we're living in a universe where we're getting movies that aren't part of some large enumerated Skywalker saga, if we're getting spinoff shows, if we're getting, um, you know, new animated shows, like it's time to move away from a strictly John William, John Williams esque type score, right? Bring in some new elements. Um, There's nothing wrong with having an orchestral score. No, it just doesn't have to be, uh, doesn't always necessarily have to be, uh, John Williams homage. Right. And like, uh, Kevin Kiner, who does the, who did the music for like clone wars and rebels. Like, I think he does a really good job of doing both. You know what I mean? Where being inspired by John Williams and sort of taking John Williams tracks and, and John Williams music and sort of reconfiguring it for different scenes, um, I think is cool. And I, you know, there's no denying when you hear, you know, a little bit of like the force theme or whatever it may be creep its way in. You know, that's always going to have a reaction. But some of my favorite stuff from like Clone Wars and Rebels is when he went off the deep end and did like different stuff too. Right. <clears throat> so I think that's a good approach. And it makes me really excited to see what direction they go with the music going forward for like Cassian and Obi Wan and whatever the hell comes down the line. Right. All righty. Um, do you want to talk about Star Wars Squadrons? You know I do. You uh, really know I do. So I guess it was, what, January or February when we talked about the leaked listing or whatever on the PlayStation Network for Star Wars Project Maverick. And right. We've been wondering what that is. You know, there was a lot that you could sort of guess from the name of the, the, the code name for the game. It'd be flight-based, and then there, of course, were the rumors that we've been talking about for months and months now that EA Motive was working on a smaller-scale Star Wars project. Um, Yes. And, you know, even back, I don't know, three or four weeks ago, I said that we were probably in store for some kind of reveal coming up because the EA Motive Twitter account was being active and... We're in E3 season, you know, the time of year where E3 would typically be going on. Uh, And sure enough, here we go. This week on Monday, we got the first cinematic trailer for the game, which had no gameplay in it. It was just, you know, solely... Trying to think of what I'm trying to say here. Solely like... Cutscenes? Cutscenes, yeah. Cutscenes, it was, you know, you're not looking at gameplay. It's it's solely there to give you a vibe of what the game's going to be out about and give you a little peek at the story that we're going to be getting in the campaign. Yeah. Seeing that, it was awesome. Uh, what did you think of the story trailer? 
I thought it was really good. Like, I'm looking forward to the story of those different factions. You know, being able to play two different factions is really important. Uh, and it's really cool. <clears throat> I guess this is the other video, but when they set up the different, I guess, modes or ways you can play and stuff, or how the squads break down, or you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, I'll say this. The more and more, or the older and older I get, I guess, the less excited I get about cinematic trailers for video games. Like, yeah, they're cool looking and damn, that is a good trailer. It is a well crafted trailer and it got me hyped for the concept of the game. But what I'm really, when it comes down to it, what I'm excited for is a gameplay trailer. Show me what this game is actually going to look like, you know? Yeah. Because I have some questions cause I saw some stuff in there and I couldn't <laughs> quite tell. If it was gameplay footage or not. A lot of, like, the dog fighting, basically. Well, okay, so... In the first trailer, the shorter one, that's like two minutes or whatever, the story trailer, as far as I understand, that's all pre-rendered. So not, like, okay. ga actual gameplay. The gameplay trailer, that is gameplay. Um, You know. But, you know, it reminds me back in the day hanging out at the house in Starkville and watching that first cinematic trailer for the original Assassin's Creed game. I don't know yeah. if you remember that thing, but I remember seeing that trailer knowing that that's not what the game is going to look like in the end, but being very hyped for the game. And then right. that first Assassin's Creed trailer or first game kind of janky, especially when you consider the large leaps that they made in subsequent games. Took a couple of games for them to really iron out that formula. <clears throat> um, but, you know, as technology progresses, we get closer and closer to these cinematic trailers matching to the gameplay that we will get in the end. Uh, we're just not there 100% yet. Um, so, for anybody that hasn't seen the trailer or doesn't know, Star Wars Squadrons is a... The name kind of says it's all. It's all. It's a squadron-based flight simulator. I, I think simulator might be giving it a little too much credit, but a flight-based game. Um, having looked at the you know the gameplay trailer and re reading a couple of articles that have come out today since the trailer debuted, it seems to be closer in line with the older X-wing and Tie Fighter games. Then, That's what struck me when I was watching those trailers. Yeah. Yeah. It's all completely first person from a cockpit view. Uh, you do have to manage things like um, power diversion, you know, taking power from your lasers and putting them to your shields and uh, redirecting your shields from, you know, front to back or like focusing the shields all in the back or all in the front, uh, which was a big component of those X-Wing and TIE Fighter games. That's cool. Um, it does have I a campaign. What were you one of say? the really impressive things to me was the ability to do VR. Yes. Like I'm to very put on the, for that. the helmet or the goggles or whatever and be looking around the cockpit around the battlefield like and yeah. flying that ship at the same time. That sounds amazing. Another thing that it supports that I think is really cool is flight sticks and throttle sticks. So on PC... Wow. And Xbox and PlayStation. I wasn't aware of this until our buddy Jeff Ling pointed it out to me in a text message. 
they make those for consoles. You can get a flight stick and a fl- throttle stick for your Xbox or your PlayStation. Um, okay. And just, I can't imagine like getting set up, hooking up my Oculus to my PC, popping in a, a flight stick and a throttle stick. Like, you want to talk about immersion? Bro, sign me up. I am That's all about, about that. Yeah, man. Like, I love that idea. So, yeah. Um, it's got a campaign. Uh, the campaign <clears throat> from, you know, what they said basically shows both sides of the conflict. It takes place uh, shortly after the Battle of Endor, and you will play a fighter in the New Republic and in the Empire. Which, I don't know, man... <laughs> You know, the era may be not my most excited element of this. I understand the appeal of it, because if you set it in that era, you get to use X-Wings and A-Wings and TIE Fighters and TIE Interceptors and Y-Wings right. and all that stuff. That's totally fine. Um, but, you know, it would have also been kind of cool. And if this game takes off and is super successful, I would imagine we'll see a similar thing that we did between Battlefield one in Battlefield 2, where maybe the next version, if they keep the license long enough to make a Squadrons 2, might include some prequel ships and things like that as well. <clears throat> um, another thing to keep in mind about this game that I want everybody to remember, this is not a full-priced title. You're not going to be spending 60 bucks on this game when it comes out. It's 40 bucks. So... You know, on one hand, that's really cool. Oh, sweet. I get to save 20 bucks. The thing you need to keep in mind with a smaller or a lower priced game is that it will not be as fully featured as some of its regular priced counterparts. So what does that mean? I would not expect the campaign to be super long in this. Um, There's been no indications on how long it is. But at a $40 price point, do not expect this to be a super long long campaign. Yeah, 20-hour campaign. You know, if you get, I'm going to say 6 to 10, that is probably what we're talking about here. 6 to 10 hours for the campaign at the most. Yeah, probably Uh, if that. um, And the other thing is, don't. And, and they kind of spelled it out in this trailer. Don't expect a ton of modes. Like in Battlefront 2, where you have all these different modes you can play. As of right now, and this seems to be the only two, there are two multiplayer modes. There's dogfight and then fleet battle. So, you know, just keep your expectations in check as far as everything you expect to be in this game. With it being at that price point. Um, what else looked cool? So in the multiplayer modes, you're, you're in a squadron of five ships, five ship squadrons versus off versus against another five ship squadron. Um, dogfights is exactly what it sounds like where it's just two teams going off against each other fleet battle, which they call their signature mode, which I think will probably be the mode that gets the most play, uh, you know, as things go on, is sort of a um, a phased multiplayer 
mode, kind of like, you know, stuff we have in Battlefront 2, like capital supremacy and stuff, where it starts off, the first phase is two squadrons facing off against each other. The second phase, you're either protecting or attacking like a mid-sized, a group of mid-sized capital ships. Um, and then eventually it gets to where you're fighting the big shit, like Star Destroyers and shit. Um, and that shit. I like the Starfighter Assault so much in Battlefront 2 that a dedicated game to that, like that on steroids with, you know, the shield management and all the, the upgrades and weapon management and things like that, count me in. Very excited yeah. for this. And it, like, I remember the screen where it said all the different things you can do to your ship, and there were like a million different things yeah. you could do. Over 50 different upgrades and customizations. Uh, and that's just for how your ship, I shouldn't even said cups, 50 different upgrades. And then there's a load of customizations, whether it's decals and paint jobs you can put on your ships, different pilots and outfit, like flight suits that you can unlock for your pilots. Um, and I was reading an article right before we recorded and no microtransactions. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good news. So all that cool shit that you saw unlocked through gameplay. That's smart to me. <laughs> yeah. that That's to me as well. And they were also saying in this article that I was reading, I believe it was in Game Informer, that as of right now, that game that they are shipping October 2nd, which is the release date, by the way, is the game. Meaning, as of right now, they have no plans or roadmap for further DLC or upgrades or anything like that. Now, if it comes out and it's super well received and they even sort of said this in the article, you know, they're not ruling it out eventually, but that's not on the table right now. They're totally focused on making the core experience of the game you're going to buy for 40 bucks as strong as it can be. That's yeah. an interesting model, like pricing and strategy. Mm -hmm. I'm interested to see how it works out. Well, you know, it's it's really clear to me that given all the turmoil that's gone on behind the scenes with the EA Star Wars stuff, that they they definitely had planned on having a higher output of Star Wars games than three at this point. Because that's all we've gotten from EA since 2013 or whenever they got the license. Right. Um, so what they've done with this is take one of their studios who has helped out on a lot of games, gave them, give them a like mid-sized budget to make a smaller scale Star Wars game to kind of, for lack of a better term, prove themselves. Make you know? up. Yeah. It's like they're trying to make up to Star Wars fans. Well, not, not to, you know, to Star Wars fans, but not just to Star Wars fans, to investors, to Lucasfilm. Like, you know, right. this is right. their opportunity to... To not have to wait until <coughs> 2022 or whatever it's going to be before Fallen Order 2 comes out. I wouldn't be surprised if they have another sort of smaller scale game somewhere in the works for next year. You know, this is the first time we've gotten two Star Wars games in a row, back to back, year to year. You know, right. like Battlefront 1 came out in 2015. The next game we got was Battlefront 2 in 2017. 
Then it was another two years before um, Fallen Order. <laughs> so <clears throat> by use, spending less money and making it a smaller project, they can spend less time on it and get it out without having such a long wait between games. And I'm fine with that. Like, I would be all about the occasional, you know, 30 to $40 Star Wars game coming out in between giant $60 AAA releases, right? Right. Um, so I hope it's good. I hope it's awesome, and I hope it's sort of a renaissance for the Star Wars flight games because I love those fucking X-Wing and TIE Fighter games. Really are awesome. Hmm. Another that's thing. That's what it, exactly what it reminded me of. I was like, this is a lot like X Wing versus Tie Fighter. Like, yeah, having to manage all this stuff. Yeah, and the other ship. The other thing that was cool that I thought um, from the story trailer and the bits of the story content we got, there's going to be some cameos from characters we know. We see Hera, or Hera. We see Wedge at one point. Uh, Ray Sloan is in there. She's the lady that's like the Imperial officer or commander or whatever. So in a, you know, it's nice that they're bringing in some, some familiar, some familiar, uh, like elements and characters, especially given the time period it takes in, takes place in. Um, so on the rebel side, the five ships you can use are X wings, a wings. No, there's four ships, right? Four ships per side. X-Wings, A-Wings, Y-Wings, and U-Wings. Your X-Wing is like your your just basic fighter ship. Your A-Wing is your faster, weaker-powered ship. Um, Mm -hmm. Your Y-Wing is your slow but tough bomber. Basically the same sort of setup it's been ever since back in the day with the X-Wing. With the addition of a support ship. Yes, the support ship is the neat addition to this where they can apparently keep I um, assume it's like a healer class like a battlefield yeah healer support class yeah kind of where they can seemingly re <clears throat> restock ammunition or maybe like torpedoes or something in some way for other ships and it even looks like they can do like ion cannon stuff to disrupt disrupt enemy ships and oh, then that's cool on the Empire side, you have your TIE Fighter, your TIE Interceptor, your TIE Bomber, and the TIE Reaper, which is cool because it's another ship that was introduced in Rogue One. Uh, so it's neat to see that design get a little more play. Kind of bummed there's no B-Wing. but Yeah, right? One of my favorites, personally. It is what it is. Maybe if it, like I said, maybe it takes off and they decide to do some DLC. Maybe we could get a B-Wing and something else on the Imperial side. <laughs> but that's it. October second of this year, uh, a new Star Wars game, and uh, it looks gonna, like oh, it's gonna be a good day. I got one more thing I got to bring up that I think is maybe one of the most important and the coolest elements of this game is crossplay. So for Between the everything PC, PlayStation, and Xbox, everything PC, PlayStation, Xbox crossplay. Let me tell you why I like that. A, it ensures that you never have, you always have someone to play with, basically. When you have three different pools of players to pull from, that in theory should lessen those times when you can't find 
enough players for a match, right? Helps keep the the uh, the ecosystem and the community playing that game strong and engaged. Um, for the last you know few months now, Steve, Jeff, and Nick and I have been playing Final Fantasy fourteen, which is cross play between PlayStation four and PC. So that's really cool. Nick and Jeff are on their PCs. Meanwhile, Steve and I are on our PlayStations and we can still play together, have the same experience and don't have to worry about like, well, Steve and I, you know, Steve doesn't have a PC, so he can't play with us. Those dudes don't have a PlayStation. They can't play with us, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it really sucks that with Battlefront, we have all these friends who have Xboxes and then we have all these friends that have PlayStations and we have all these friends that play it on PC and we can't play together. That's not going to be that's an issue, true. you know? Um, it'll make... That's not, that's not the future. That, yeah. I, I, it's one of those things that Sony specifically really seemingly fought against really hard for a long time was this whole idea of cross-play. But thankfully, right. they're easing up on that, so... I think crossplay should for a multi-platform game that's not a console exclusive absolutely should be the standard from this point going on. Um it just makes a ton of sense and I'm really glad that they've decided to do that with Squadrons. I agree. <clears throat> so, October 2nd, new Star Wars game. And uh you know you'll be hearing about it from us. Because we'll be playing it. Oh, fuck yeah, we will. If you need to wonder what kind of ship I'm going to be in, it's an X-Wing. Oh, what about it? It's an X-Wing. What about when you're... It's an X-Wing. That's what I'm in. All right. Let me pull this up. All right, buddy. Uh, You want to do some voicemails and some emails? Uh, You know I do. All right, buddy. Well, let's... uh, Have our buddy Steve sing us a little song, and then we'll jump right into that. Cockhead, the only Jedi master who can crash box. Cockhead, running around slaying bitches with his cockhead. He's a big Syrian stud. He loves to split chicks with his pud. Kitty Cockhead to stroke his cone and suck on his balls. Kitty Cockhead, what you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge, but he'll be pumping spooge tomorrow. Cockhead, Blue Herb. Cockhead, Hansberger. Cockhead, Will Win. Cockhead, Goose Paint. Cockhead, G Money. Cockhead. All right. First up, we got one from King Tom. Hey there, Haas and Will. Had a lot of exciting things, mostly good news happen and come out over the last few weeks. But the thing that's been on my mind is the, from a certain point of view, Empire Strikes Back edition that we are getting. Uh, 
in November or October. I'm really looking forward to that. I was a big fan of the first one. There were some, there were a few stories in there that were not good. But then we got stories like the one about Mon Mothma, the one about Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon and a bunch of other, the Lando one, a bunch of others that were really good, really solid. But I, I wanted to know, say, you know, Lucasfilm Press came to you guys and they said, we're looking for authors. And we thought both Hawes and Will of Blue Harvest separately would, would be or together if you guys wanted to write something together. But we, we want you guys to write something. The only thing is, we, we have one author signed up so far, and um, Claudia Gray has taken Boba Fett, so you can't write anything about Boba Fett. What story idea would you pitch for The Empire Strikes Back from a certain point of view? Uh, feel free to steal this one, but mine would be something along the lines, because you know, the, the first one, it had some characters that were around but not exactly in the movie so my story idea and i think they said at celebration that he was a rebel sympathizer at one point i would have grief karga running the bounty hunters guild and then uh -huh. you know get the information that the empire is looking for bounty hunters to search down rebel leaders namely the millennium falcon and how he kind of tries to send some bounty hunters the other way but you know you still got dangar and bosk ig88 boba Four Lam and Zookus showing up uh, on the Star Destroyer anyway. But that's my idea for a story. But I'm curious what you guys would want to do. But I, I'm sorry, Alice. No, Boba, because I have a feeling you'd talk about Boba. Or you'd write about Boba. Uh, anyway, looking forward to your answer. And uh, thanks for the show, the podcast. It's great as always. I'll talk to you later. I actually totally forgot to bring this book up, Will. Oh, my God, Will. Uh, I do that every time. Um. I just like hearing from King Tom so much. Uh, so, <clears throat> I know we probably talked about it back when the original one came out a couple of years ago. Um, the From a Certain Point of View book that was 40 stories celebrating 40 years of A New Hope. And, it, you know, each story was from a different character in the movie or related to the movie's point of view, right? Well, they have one coming out about... Um, empire and i've seen a lot of people excited about the author's list so that's really cool uh, but if i had to write one of those stories do you have one in mind will i think it'd be cool to write so some soldiers darth vader in the battle of hoth comes in kills everybody that's left you know stormtroopers overrun the base and there's a handful of uh, rebel soldiers that are kind of they hide when all that happens and then the empire leaves and then all of a sudden uh the base is kind of overrun with wampas and uh they have it's kind of like survival horror like they have wow. to get out of this like obliterated busted down base with wampas lurking every hallway that could be kind of cool a little <clears throat> bit of a shadows of the empire callback yeah <clears throat> um so, kind of going off what uh, King Tom was talking about uh, with a story related to grief, it'd be kind of cool to see Cara Dune during the Battle of Hoth, because she was a rebel shock trooper, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, that would be kind of neat From to Alderaan, see. Alderaan, right after her planet explodes. Um, so, that would be kind of neat to see. Um, you know, all right, here's my pitch. The, the title of the story, Man in a Bathtub, right? 
and it starts off. Oh my! It starts off on a star destroyer in a bay filled with probe droids, and there's one probe droid. He's the one that gets sent to Hoth, and we just like hang out with him, hear what he thinks about on his day to day. He's like, "Oh man, when am I gonna get to go probe some stuff? I fucking love probing some stuff, man. Let me probe." It was what I was born to do, right? And then the day comes. He gets shot out of the Star Destroyer. He lands on Hoth. He's like, wow, check this place out. Man in a bathtub. I'll be damned. Look at all this ice and snow. And then what happens? Han Solo and Chewbacca come and blow him up. And his last thoughts are like, oh, wow, that's a Wookiee. I've never seen one of those before. I didn't hit it that hard. It must have had a self-destruct or something. (laughs) Yeah. Um, or, oh, the, the Will Rowe Hood story, the guy with the uh, ice cream maker, ice cream maker in the background, which now because of the Mandalorian, we know those are kind of like little personal safes. I want to know what was in that safe. And you know what I like to think was in that state safe, Will? What's that? Ice cream. Ice cream? Ice cream. An ice cream maker, a futuristic ice cream maker? No, is that an ice cream maker? It's, it's a, it's a safe. That holds ice cream. So he's he's transporting ice cream. And yeah, because in Mandalorian, like, he's it's that same thing, and it's a safe, and it's holding Beskar, right? Right. So what was in Will Rowe Hood's safe? Ice cream. Or mustaches. Or both. Or ice cream mustaches. <clears throat> hey, man. Why not? That's his big ticket to fortune and glory. <clears throat> trying to think what else i mean obviously i want to see stories about all those bounty hunters i just don't know oh you oh okay so in that scum and villainy book where they talk about how zuckus um does this weird psychedelic ritual where he huffs this like burning herb concoction to see the future and figure out like about his bounties and shit explore that I want to see that explored. It'd be like, um, what's that movie people like about Las Vegas with Johnny Depp? What's that movie called? Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas? Yes, that's it. Fear and Loathing with Forlom and Zuckus. Yeah, I don't know. This is why... Fear and Loathing is most likely. I don't... I. This is why I don't like being put in these positions. Because... This is not my fucking forte. I'd like to see how Lando Calrissian got his got the job as mayor. You know, like what did what was the con or charm offensive that put him in? You know, as the mayor governor of a mining facility, or or if he just won it in a bet, you know, like and was pretending <laughs> like he was legit. Yeah. I have to imagine there's a kick-ass Lando story somewhere in this collection, right? Right. Um, I want a story from the space slugs point of view. Just chilling in his asteroid when a fucking little snack flies right into his mouth and lands in his stomach. (laughs) Minox. Minox. I'm trying to think of cool other stories from Empire. 
I mean, there's so many ways you can go. And, and what I'm trying to do is like think back to how they approached it with the first book and, and go from there. Um, and I'm not having the best of luck doing that. Uh, you also have to imagine there's probably a pretty kick-ass Yoda story, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I wonder if they've ever... Uh, this is going to be one of those things that I say, and then somebody's like, they actually did that in this. And I'm going to feel Yoda dumb. and Obi-Wan consultation would be cool. They kind of did that in the first one, where Yoda is trying to convince Obi-Wan that Leia is who they should be training and not Luke. Interesting. Um, I don't know if they've ever gone through this story, and maybe they have. I'm hesitant to say it, but like, you have to imagine Yoda went in that fucking cave on Dagobah, right? Mm, you would think, yeah. wonder what his experience was. And I'm throwing that out there, knowing full damn well that that's probably already happened and I'm about somebody's gonna be like you're a dummy <clears throat> alright let's hear from our buddy Jim hey Oz and Will how you guys doing uh, I wanted to ask you some stuff about the Mandalorian um, who do you think sent IG-11 after uh, Baby Yoda to kill him uh I was thinking that it might be some form of the good guys, basically uh, people that heard the what's the remnants of the Empire are looking for Baby Yoda, and or at least they know that they're looking for a human, an alien, I mean an alien, a living thing, and they send somebody to assassinate it at the same time as uh, everything went down with... Uh, Werner Herzog but what do you guys think do you think that it was actually like the Republic or do you think it was just some extremists that are fighting like I said the remnants of the Empire or and do you think that we're going to maybe see the, any form of the Republic uh, and what it's go, what's going on with it in Mandalorian season 2 but alright gentlemen you guys have a great evening ignite the green so I could be completely wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure it was just Werner Herzog that sent all the different um, bounty hunters. Because when the Mandalorian goes to talk to Grief and he's like, who all had a, a puck? He's like, everyone, Mando. All of them. All of them, Mando. Right? And doesn't Mando talk to... Werner Herzog about it doesn't he mention other people having but I guess that wouldn't make sense because why would they give IG-11 strict kill orders, orders to terminate when Werner Herzog was offering potential life bounty yeah he, he was he wanted him alive but would have also been okay if something happened <sighs> I need to go back and rewatch for like my fourth or fifth time because I feel like they established that it was all Werner Herzog. Um, I'm going to say it was um, like another criminal syndicate, you know, like the Crimson Dawn or something. They might not even be kicking around right now, but like, yeah, 
I don't know what uh the God, what are the two in the Force Awakens? The Kanja Club or the Guavian Death Guard? Kanja Club or the Guavian Death. Yeah, Death Guard. <laughs> um, yeah. So if it wasn't Werner Herzog or the client, which is, I believe, what he's known as, um, that is sort of a dangling plot thread that's out there. The other question I've had is who are the dudes that are protecting Baby Yoda in episode one? That's been my question. Who who were those people that were protecting Baby Yoda? Why did they have bounty hunters that were coming out there to get him? Yeah, and was that a situation of them having him? Like, yeah, what was that all about? That's what I want to know. Because were they bad guys protecting their score, or were they good guys? Right. Because if they were good guys, then that kind of puts that whole scene in a different light, where Mando and IG Eleven were rock up and just kill all these dudes protecting poor little baby Yoda. Potentially rebel fighters. Potentially. Yeah, Republic. Um I don't know how much Republic stuff will get in the Mandalorian because it seems so focused on being on like the outskirts of the galaxy. Um but I would love it if we did get some Republic stuff. Well, we've already gotten a Republic prison ship. That's true. And we do get a little bit of like um mention of the Republic a few times when he's once again when he's talking to grief and then how you know Cara Dune talks about how she served in the New Republic after the Battle of Endor and stuff and it wasn't for her right. so she left. But yeah, I want to know who those dudes were protecting the baby Yoda and why they were protecting him. We may never know. I don't know. I think that's something that will get explored or explained at some point. It'd be cool. Um, yeah, I think but we But you will. know, dead men tell no tales. That is true. That's a good point you got there, Will Witten. <clears throat> All right, next up we got an email from our buddy Ian. Hello, Blue Harvest. As you can tell from my subject heading, this weekly invent email involves one of our favorite pastimes some good old cocka duty speculating today's cocka duty speculating involves the new squadron game obviously this is a flight sim game and whatnot yada yada but what do you think the gameplay will entail and what do you think the story will be i heard that the guy writing the story was one of the ones who wrote or at least was involved with battlefront 2's story so i'm intrigued to see what it'll be my thoughts are some of the gameplay will entail diverting shield power to engines. This is King Tom's speculation, FYI. But also diverting other energy or power to the inner engines like Hera does in Rebels to save enough power to fly when she turns off the heating or cooling system in the Ghost. In terms of story, I think we'll get to choose which side we want to play on but carry out the same missions. That's about all I got, so let me know your thoughts. May the Force be with you. Well, we did talk about a bunch of this stuff. Um, it sounds like your gameplay... I think it'll make you play both sides. I think so, too. Now, I didn't consider that you will play both sides of the same mission. But I don't know how that would work, necessarily, given that I'm sure they want this this uh, story to be canon, right? So if you're playing a mission, let's say, where you're goal is the new republic you're going to take down a star destroyer right 
the flip side of that would be you're on the Empire side and you're supposed to protect the Star Destroyer. Well, one only one of those outcomes can be canon. So, right, and come true. Right, so there's only one way to play it and have a successful outcome. So... It was talking about having a squad of five. I'm curious if you can do that playing the campaign. Like, can you play through the story as your squadron of five? Ooh. You know, I don't know. Is the campaign co-op? That's a good question. Because that would be rad. That what, would be neat. What a badass way for you and your four homies to get together and practice up before going online than to play through the campaign. I haven't seen anything about any sort of co-op status on the campaign. <clears throat> I saw a hairpin 180-degree turn. Mm-hmm. Did you see that in that footage? That was pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that's a, an ability. I think it was in the abilities of ship upgrades and stuff. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. Man, when, if you have over 50 different upgrades you can do to your ship there's probably all kinds of cool stuff there um and i imagine they'll probably work similar to star cards from battlefront where you have a select number you can't put all 50 of those upgrades on one ship you have like a select number of slots upgrade slots that you can fill as you up you know unlock new ones and stuff you have to switch them out and sort of (coughs) come up with your specific build um, right, right. But yeah, I, so Mitch Dyer, who was one of the head writers on Battlefront 2's campaign, is a writer on Squadrons. So he is correct about that. He's a, he's a carryover from Battlefront 2. And I really like Battlefront 2's story, so I'm expecting great things from the story of this one. I agree. <clears throat> But yeah, I uh, really wonder. I really wonder what I was gonna say, Will, because I just fucking forgot it mid sentence. I I'm curious too. It probably wasn't anything that great. I don't know. Could have been. Hold on, give me one second. No problem. All right, last up, we have one more email, and this is from our buddy Josh W. Hello there, Halls and Will. What did you guys think about Episode 7 of Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian? I watched it this week with my musician spouse, thinking she would enjoy hearing how Gorenson composed the score. She was disappointed, and I have to say I agree with her, despite loving the other six episodes. It was neat to see the recorders and vintage synthesizers he used, but there was no detail as to why he likes to use the gear he does and how he went from noodling around in his studio to composing a full score with orchestra. I get that they don't want to go over people's heads with a bunch of music theory, but they got into a lot of technical special effects and computer stuff in previous episodes, and they did a good job of making it relatively easy to understand. I wish we could have gotten that with Gorenson's wonderful score, too. What are your thoughts, guys? May the force be with you, Josh W. Um, I definitely get where you're coming from. You know, it's one of those things where so much new music was written for the show that I think they just kind of had to pick their battles on what to talk about. But I do understand and agree with it. They could have gone a little further into the process 
Um, because like he said, I'll be damned if they didn't really get into like parallax and fucking the volume and things. Right. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's weird to me that it seems like this show has like sort of a strict format as far as like runtime and stuff goes where, you know, an extra few minutes on this episode could have been really cool and could have delved into some of the stuff Josh was talking about here. I, yeah. I, uh, I understand what he's saying because, you know, they, they don't take you through the guy's whole process, but from the sound of it, he basically, you know, got the equipment he thought would sound good and doodled around on it till he got something he liked. And then he showed himself up in a room for a month and wrote, you know, the script, the five songs and, you know, all their parts basically from the sound of it. <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah. And you know, I totally agree with Josh. Like, I don't know that some of the more music theory and detailed stuff about the composition of the music and the score would have been any more difficult for people to grasp than that crazy technical yeah, I got shit. I got a feeling that that guy doesn't, I mean, he, he, he may go on feeling, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like, Oh, this sounds good. You know, like it may not be, I'm not sure how much theory he's got behind it. You know, maybe a lot, you know? Yeah. I mean, he, I don't get the idea that he's, um, maybe as structured as a more classical composer, but right. I'm totally basing that off of this episode. So I could be wrong. And, some more information or some, you know, expanding on the stuff they talked about in this episode could have helped with my per perception of that a whole lot. So right. basically I'm just saying I totally agree. I would take, you know, an hour, hour and a half episodes of every one of these Disney gallery, the Mandalorian episodes. I love behind the scenes stuff, especially related to star Wars. So, you know, the more, the better. All right. Right. So that pretty much does it for this week. Thanks for writing and uh, sending in voicemails this week, guys. We appreciate you. Um, we certainly do. And uh, that'll be about it. So um, if you haven't already, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Let me check real quick. Because as of this morning, we were at 199 reviews. Oh, Lord. We still are. We're at 199 reviews. Who is going to be the person to push us to the 200 mark? It just takes one of you guys listening. And trust me, I know how many of you listen. We could have so many reviews and we're just asking for one. I mean, more than one would be cool, but help us get to that 200 mark, guys. We're so close. Um, be sure to check out Stone Cobra if you enjoy our theme song. Talk about fucking musical craftsmanship right i can tell you all about those guys pro process i sat on in on dozens of uh band practices but if you enjoy the theme song and you want to hear some more from that band they're stoned cobra you can find them on itunes spotify and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com and until next week this has been blue harvest and i'm halls burkhart and i'm will Witten. may the force be with you
May the force be with all of you. May the force be with us.